Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, man. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I'm glad to be back at you again. I'm coming fresh off vacation, a little rusty here. Uh, but I thoroughly enjoy uh, getting back into the groove, and I uh, I love podcasting and sharing uh, stuff with you. Uh, you know, I really feel that the the key to receiving more is uh, giving away what you have, and that is your revelation, your motivation, your inspiration uh, will continue to come uh, with a great flood as long as you give it away in the same manner. Um, you know, there was a time in my life that I would just consume, uh, for my own personal benefit. Right. And I would hold on to, you know, um, truth and all of these different things and I wouldn't give it away. And then of course we know what happens with stagnant water, right? That it develops, you know, critters, uh, develops uh, mold and all, all of these different things. It's just not as healthy as free flowing water. And so I thoroughly believe that the lessons that, um, that you are given that I'm given are to take and to give a course to the younger generation. Um, that's the way it's supposed to work. Now, I believe that Jesus called us to go and to make disciples of all nations. And what that is, is just simply, um, giving what you have received and letting it flow through you. Uh, so I find a lot of wisdom and a lot of inspiration in doing that. So uh, we're going to get into our topic today. We're talking uh, Luke uh, chapter 17, if you're following along. And here are the words. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. I'm going to read it in another translation because I got it here next to me. Jesus said to his disciples, the things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to the person through whom they come. So we're going to talk to you um, a little bit about the um, idea of stumbling block and being an offense to, to someone else. Now, um, we have it thoroughly in our head, the idea of what it means to be offended uh, you know, in our culture today, and that is if somebody says something that doesn't cry, uh, agree with your belief system, uh, and they say it in a manner that is attacking, then, you know, we say that we're offended. Or somebody might say something to hurt our feelings, and uh, we say that we are offended. But I'm going to take us a little, little deeper because the, the, the biblical reality of, of offended, um, is far vast and, and larger than that concept that we have, you know, in our American culture. But the the definition from the Greek came from, uh, uh, it's where we get our word scandal from. Like that is a scandal. Um, and I'm sure we're thoroughly uh, familiar with, with that word um, and what that entails. But um, it means to, uh, uh, to set a chapstick. 
And so back in the days, and I don't know if you did this as a young boy and trying to catch certain animals, but uh, I seen it on, on TV once, so I thought I'd give it a try. And uh, what it was, we'd prop up a box and tie a string to the stick and put uh, um, bait inside of the the box area. And what was uh, supposed to happen or what I seen happen was the, the critter would come into the box, you'd pull the stick and... And uh, you would catch yourself a critter, right? So, of course, I, I tried that, and I set up the same process and the bait and all of these things. And, um, of course, I didn't have the patience to sit around and wait, right? Uh, when you see something on TV or something, you think it's that it's just supposed to happen immediately, right? That it's not a, not a process. But, but of course, uh, you know, I just quickly moved on to something else. But the, this, is, this is the mindset and the image that... Um, that it gives for offenses. An offense is much like that trap stick. And that is there is a uh, an entrapment, there is a bait, there is a, a, a luring uh, someone over. And um, that's that's really the whole mindset to lead another uh, into a trap to lead someone into compromising. So I want you to think about that when you think about offending your brother or someone offending you. And that is the the analogy of what is taking place. And, and here's the crazy thing that we might not really know it. We, we might not really intentionally set a trap, right? And we look at that scenario and say, okay, that is that is what offense is. That is what it means to to put a stumbling block uh, in somebody's way and to offend them is to set up the trap and put the bait and when they come to capture them. And so we do this a lot of times without um, without intention. And that is we never intended to put the bait. We never intended to set the trap and we never uh, intended to ensnare anybody. Um, but yet it happens still the same. And so when we look at our life, we got to ask ourselves, am I leading other people into uh, compromising situations uh, by the words that I say or by the liberty that I have? Okay. So in, in, in faith and in Christianity, we have been given a lot of liberty. And that is, you know, when the Jerusalem Council convened in the book of Acts there about the Gentile believers um, keeping the Jewish customs and all of those things, uh, they only really mentioned a couple things that say, hey, this is, you know, kind of concrete set in stone things. And that it was like, stop fornicating. Right, don't go around uh, um, fornicating, giving yourself away, using your body. Uh, you know anything that's connected to that, to the the sex uh, slavery and the the abuse of other people. Um, it's all connected inside of that. And then to um, the next one was not to eat things offered to idols or things strangled from blood and stuff like that. Uh, Jesus was much the same and he covered all, all things under two. And he said to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then he said, and your neighbor as yourself. And so within that context of Christian Liberty, we see, um, some, a uh, couple things really solid set in stone, but then we see some things as, you know, is this really beneficial for me or is this detrimental? And I have to come to the conclusion for myself. 
whether this is beneficial for me or detrimental. And with being connected to Christ and having freedom and having liberty, that is the reality in which we live in. And so with that, because we have this um, liberty, we have many occasions to lure or lead another person into compromising situations. And so I'm going to talk about what, what that looks like. Um, there's a lot of Christians that uh, they have no problem um, drinking, right? that um, they judge their Christian liberty as uh, something as a, a positive activity for their life, and they have no problem drinking a couple glasses of wine, this, that, and the other thing. But if they had over a guest who was a weaker brother, who was uh, um, alcohol, alcoholism was his, uh, his family curse, right? And he struggled with it and gave it up. So we have two Christian brothers here. We have one that was raised where alcohol was a very uh, positive thing, and it was used at dinner time, and it, and it, it uh, promoted positive uh, benefits inside of his life. And then we have another brother where it produced very negative uh, aspects into his life, where he believes in his mind that one drink is going to lead him over the cliff, and that he's going to go all in with sin, and he's going to find himself, you know, in a uh, terrible situation um, with uh, prostitutes or whatever, you know. How, however deep the sin goes. And so we got two brothers participating in the same activity. One is highly beneficial. One, it, it is very detrimental. And so the one to where it's uh, beneficial and it doesn't harm his life and he's not consumed by it uh, could be a uh, lead another person to compromise. And that is with his liberty, uh, he can set an example to a younger, weak brother who doesn't have those convictions and belief systems, and it becomes sin for him. And I want you to recognize this, is that to, to whoever it is uh, sin for, it is sin for them, though it may not be sin for you. And so this happens in multiple different activities and little gray areas uh, inside of our faith. And it's really important that in those gray areas, we don't come to concrete solutions for everybody. And that's to say that this is good for everybody. Just because it might be beneficial for you and your family doesn't mean it's going to be beneficial for me and my family. And so what we have a tendency to do is we take this one truth and say it's applicable to me and it's applicable to everybody in all situations. And the reality is, is that it's not. And that we have to be cautious as uh, in our liberty, as strong believers, as those who um, who look at the gray areas and say, you know what, is this beneficial for me or is this detrimental? We are the ones that have to be careful because there are weaker brothers and sisters that are watching us and they are looking at our life. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be the cause for someone compromising? Because we participate in the activity and it doesn't affect our conscious one bit. But if we lead others to the same activity, they will feel that they have violated their conscience. They will be um, uh, filled with an extreme guilt and shame. And they'll probably go down to the spiral of some sort of funk and depression because um, it affects them differently. It's, a, it's important that we understand that. So a snare is to cause someone difficulty. 
And that is our, our liberty that we have can cause someone great difficulty and they could be offended. So the bottom line in all of this is that they will they will be made to stumble and fall because of our mindsets, because of our belief systems. You know, there there is a, a, a big majority of people out there who probably could never touch alcohol again. And that is because they they think uh, um, they have this belief and mind system that one drink will lead to total destruction. And so for for those, I would say you probably should never touch a drink again. Uh, unless, of course, your mind shift shifts and you have different paradigms and different belief systems and you're thoroughly convinced of those, and then it will change the outcomes that you have. But uh, for the, the Christian men who stand in liberty, it's a beneficial thing. We shouldn't look down and judge those who, um, who are struggling with those things. So a stumbling block is this. It is a metaphor for a behavior and an attitude that leads someone else to fall into destructive behavior. And so sometimes the gray areas need to remain with you. And that is if you partake of, uh, of, of drinking every once in a while in your household and it's beneficial for you, uh, you have no problem uh, watching rated R movies and it doesn't affect your spirit and you feel no conviction by it. Uh, there's a lot of these gray areas Then just go ahead and do you, right? Um, where if you stand and say, you know what, this is the way it should be for all people, then you're going to cause somebody else uh, to fall into destructive behavior. Now, there are men out there who who would watch a rated R movie and might see something and it would trigger a lust and then it would lead to something else and lead to something else and lead to something else. And so what we have is a, a very slippery slope for some people. Where something might be okay for you, but it's not okay for your brother. If that same activity he were to participate in, it would start a slippery slope um, into a funk in a circle of, uh, of depression. So we have to be very careful. The Old Testament says this. I'm not sure where. I didn't write down where. But it says, do not curse the death. Do not curse to death. Obviously, they can't hear you, right? Um, like, listen to these words because it's, it's really good. Don't curse the death or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear the Lord your God. And so this idea of stumbling block um, before the blind uh, is a very positive ad admonition for us that we need to uh, take our Christian liberty as for ourselves. And not a overall blanket statement for everybody of faith. You know, and as we um, have cultures, we have different cultures that, uh, that believe and have come to the faith. And within their culture is uh, certain acts and behaviors um, that they have learned and that they, they are attached to. Now, me from the outside looking in, I would say, you know, that's pretty foolish. That's this, that, and the other thing. And that, uh, you know, I wouldn't do that behavior, right? 
but yet it is a positive thing for them because it is, is attached to their culture and it gives them, uh, you know, some sort of positive benefit of significance in all of these different things. So for me to begin to condemn that person is, is walking in this idea of becoming a stumbling block. So example of Jesus, he turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. That is, you are a stumbling block to me. Your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. So during this occasion with Jesus, he was talking about his crucifixion and his death. And that Peter comes to him and says, no, Lord, never. This will never happen to you. And then, of course, Jesus begins to rebuke him and say, you are a stumbling block to me. And that is, if I begin to listen to your counsel, it would cause me to fall into sin because you, what you are talking about, you are not mindful of the things of God. You are mindful of the things of man. And so Peter, with all his good intentions, probably had uh, every uh, um, uh, every good intention with his instruction and with his wisdom, right? Um, but yet it was not beneficial for Jesus. And I find myself in, in that situation uh, many times throughout my life that I, that I think that I've gained a certain amount of wisdom and understanding and that uh, I know... Um, that I got pretty solid advice, most of all, right? But here's the reality, that sometimes my advice might not be good for you because it is what God has taught me and is what is beneficial for my life. And it is, and it is the thing that, that I have worked out, that I have wrestled with personally, and that I have come to some solid conclusions in my mind, and therefore it, uh, uh, it works for me. Now, you have to go through the same process. I can't go through that process for you. And so there are some things, some advice and some wisdom that I might not, that I might give that might not be applicable to you. And so you got to work it out for yourself. And I've had this happen recently where someone was, uh, um, you know, said that I gave them advice and, uh, it was, if they followed my advice, it would be very detrimental to them. Right. And so what we got to understand is, is that we got to take other people into account. And I think, first of all, what it taught me is, you know what? I shouldn't be so quick to give people advice and that I should look at my own life and say, you know what? This is, um, this is the belief systems that I've adopted. And these, how, this is how those belief systems has worked out for me in a positive fashion. And that way someone could decide whether it's for them or not for them. And it's on them, right? So uh, Paul's message says, therefore, um, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Don't pass judgment on, on someone any longer, but rather decide never, rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So there was a, a culture thing inside of the early church. And that is as the church began to grow and reach out to the world, uh, they got a lot of non-Jewish believers inside of the faith. And they had different mindsets and different belief systems about idols. 
And what they do was when the animal was killed or when it was sacrificed, it was offered up to an idol as a tribute, as a sacrifice, and then the people would eat it, right? And so Paul, being of the Jewish mindset, who says, you know, the um, an idol is nothing to me. I do not, I don't believe in them. I don't believe, I don't even think that they're real. So from my mindset, my belief, it is nothing. So I would eat the food because an idol doesn't mean nothing to me. And this is the way that I believe. Um, I don't believe anything like that. And if you go to uh, some restaurants, uh, especially of the Indian persuasion, uh, you, you have an understanding that that uh, what is taking place inside of their thing is is a tribute to their idols and uh, to whom they worship. You walk into some stores and you will see, um, you know, certain things that uh, that is tribute to their idols. And so you can say, you know what, I'm not going to buy from this store. I'm not going to eat at that place. Uh, but the Christian Liberty says, you know, the idol is nothing. So for me, I would go ahead and eat at the place. But here's the reality of things that, that, that some people, especially if they worship those idols, and it was part of their culture and part of their religion, but they have uh, forsaken that and decided to keep the faith. If they were to go back and eat food sacrificed to idols or go into a store and purchase things uh, that has been dedicated to certain gods, it would cause them to uh, stumble. And so that's what Paul is talking about here, is that what is good for one is not good for the other. And so we can't have this blanket statement of uh, uh, of being okay. What I've noticed too is that sin affects people in a different fashion. That for some, um, it affects them in a very powerful way and it will lead to their destruction in a very quick manner. Uh, for some people, it, um, it doesn't seem to bother uh, them too much at all. And if they mess up, um, they just get up, dust, them, dust themselves off and move on where another person would go into a, a spiral and a funk and uh, could possibly destroy their lives, could lead to a very strong and powerful drug binge, or it could lead to a perversion inside of pornography and to go deeper inside of, uh, uh, of acting that out. And so it affects everybody in a different fashion. And so what we got to understand is that um, not to take our liberty and uh, use it in a way that would be highly detrimental to somebody else. Uh, Paul goes on to say this, but take care that the liberty of yours does not become a stumbling block to the weak. I'll say that one more time because I want you to but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. And so we might have the, um, the liberty to, you know, drink lots of coffee. We might have the liberty to smoke cigarettes or, or, or do all of these different things, but we might come in contact with the brother who um, who has uh, forsaken uh, drinking coffee and sees it as a, a very detrimental thing to his life. And the same thing with nicotine. Uh, 
And so we can come into their interaction with each other and smoke like a train and, and uh, drink a couple pots of coffee. And they'll be looking at you the whole time. Uh, first, like you're a sinner. And second, like um, they might be enticed and feel tempted by your behavior. And so all of this uh, idea is for us to be conscious of our brothers and what they are going through inside of their lives. So we don't use our liberty to offend or cause somebody else to fall. Paul says again, therefore, if food makes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother to stumble. And that is a powerful, powerful reality. So Jesus said this, that uh, it would be better for him to be thrown in the sea and a milestone tied around his neck for him than to cause one of these little ones to sin. And, he, and then he finishes that. So watch yourself. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. And so the bottom line of this whole talk is, is to take heed. And that is to watch yourself. Watch yourself. And then Jesus goes on and says, Take heed to yourself that your brother uh, trespass against thee. Uh, rebuke him, and if he repents, uh, forgive him. And so Jesus set up the model here about um, being offended. And it's important that we, we understand this uh, problem because we often do the opposite to what Jesus instructs. And Jesus said that if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And that is saying that a trespass deserves a confrontation. And a lot of times what we do is that something happens to us, a, a trespass happens, and a confrontation doesn't happen. And this is something that needs to take place because the what hap I'm going to share with you what happens when we don't do this. And that is we experience pain, uh, trespass by another brother, and we don't rebuke. The only thing left now is to hold on to it and to let it fester and let it stew inside of our hearts and our lives. And then, of course, the this is how pain grows. The pain doesn't get dealt with. It doesn't get brought to the surface. It goes on inside of our hearts, inside of our lives, and it stews. And it begins to grow and expand. And all of a sudden, what begins to happen was one little offense, one little thing done against you has created this big old monster now, all of a sudden, every action and every behavior of that person is judged through the lens of the pain. And we begin to interpret reality based upon our firmly held belief that this person has hurt me, this person is wrong, and they deserve to suffer. And all of a sudden, we develop this hatred towards that person. And this happens in a mass scale and even in society fashion. What we have today is, is unresolved rebuke 
and unresolved issues that haven't led to a good, uh, uh, sufficient outcome. And so each side of the, the races and all of this stuff is consumed with their own stories instead of saying, you know what, this is what you did. This is how it feels. This is how it made me feel. And this is how it hurt me. What did you mean by that? And of course, none of this dialogue is taking place inside the world today. And as people of faith, we should be the ones championing this mindset. And that is that you have offended me. You have hurt me in some way or fashion. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to rebuke you. And that is I'm going to first express my disapproval for your actions. This is what you did. And just the facts. Guys, I'm teaching you very something very important here today. And it's how to manage uh, conflict resolution. You come to them and you express your disapproval, right? And that is, this is what you did. And based upon facts from A to Z, like boom, 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 boom. This is what you did. No judgments, no feelings, no emotions, no all this. This is what you did. You did this. And this is the reaction that I had. This is how you made me feel. When you did this, I felt this. And I begin to think about this and then come back to the conclusion. What did you mean by that behavior? And here's the reality of things that most of the time it does not mean what we think it means, right? Because we attach a lot of significance to it. We attach a lot of our judgments to it. And it, it's it, people don't do things for the reasons why we think they do things. And that's the reality of life. People do things for their own reasons. They don't do things for my reasons. Now, if I were to do that, that might be my reason why I would do that. But that is not your reason why you would do that. And there's something about our selfish nature that begins to judge and assume the other people's motives based upon uh, us at the center. And it has everything to do with us. And the reality is, is when we begin to rebuke, when we begin to confront, when we, when, when, when we begin to get a backbone and say, you know what, I'm going to be assertive in this situation, you're going to find that people do things for their own reasons. And the judgment that you attach to it um, is, is totally insignificant and not really real. And that is, they did this because they hate me. They did this because they don't like me. They did this because blah, 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 blah. And when you find out that they, they did this and it had nothing to do with you, uh, it is quite freeing. So rebuke, expression of, uh, of disapproval. And we have a hard time with this. That something happens that offends us, that it hurts us. Instead of um, confronting it, uh, instead of having a conversation, um, we stew. And this is not good for any form of recovery. You see, we are trying to recover here. And that is to go through a process of growing uh, and expansion and wholeness, becoming a whole person. And I can guarantee you, if this is your mode of modality, that, that I'm going to avoid conflict at all costs. And I am not going to confront. I'm not going to be assertive. I can guarantee you, you're going to cause a lot of pain inside your life. You are going to be a doormat. You're going to have your feelings, your wants, and your needs. They are going to be unspoken. And you're going to be silenced. 
and what's going to begin happening is little by little the relationship is going to be chipped away and it's going to die and it's going to die because of your lack of assertiveness and being willing to do what Jesus said we should do. When we are offended, when an offense happens to us, we rebuke. And with that rebuke comes a, a, a uh, an admonition for um, come in a friendly manner. That is, we don't come say, "I rebuke you," <laughs> like we have a we have a, a a mindset in Christianity that that's what rebuking is. I rebuke you, and uh, you know it's just not the case. Um, and what we do is that we we offer them a way to explain themselves so we can better understand from our perspective what is taking place. Now, very rarely will you find that it matches up with your paradigm. And that is, they did this because they hate me. And you ask them and say, why did you do that? You know, this made me feel this way. Very rarely will you say, oh, because I hate you. <laughs> no, they'll be thinking, well, I thought that you and all of a sudden, there's all this miscommunication and misunderstanding going on. And then all of a sudden, there's what? Resolution. And it comes through dropping the story and saying, you know what? I'm not going to place a judgment on this. I'm not going to assume their motives, but I'm going to go ask them. And we are going to, to talk this out. And that is the way that uh, Jesus said to do this. So he goes on and says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times comes back to you and says, I repent and forgive him. And so this is, um, you know, I, it's, a, uh, it's definitely an exaggeration. Um, but the exaggeration is meant to bring uh, this reality, is that there's going to be a lot of times when you're offended with other people. And if your brother who offends you comes back to you or during this process of rebuke, he repents, then let it go. And don't think because you've done this once that it's not going to happen again. And that's why he goes into if he, he if he does it seven times, uh, seven times in a day. And he comes back to you, right? That we're to forgive. Now, I want you to understand this because it doesn't mean that they need to be back in some friendly graces and that you need to trust them and they need to be close to you. Because here's the reality, that if people continually hurt you, then they don't have your best interest in mind. And it's important that you keep uh, people that are dangerous at a distance, uh, this is really, really important because um, would you have someone who had stuck a knife in your back, would you allow them in close proximity to do it again? And the reality is, is that no. And there's no amount of wisdom in that statement. There's no amount of justification that would make that okay. Because the violation would cause a mistrust. That I no longer trust you um, and that it needs to be earned back by positive behavior and a good track record. 
And the only thing that is going to win your trust back is a consistent behavior over a period of time, which we do call a track record. And this is very important to look at people's track record and say, uh, the reality is, here's, here's the reality, people will usually do what they have done. And there's no really way around that. So if you look at a history of a person and they have continually done this behavior, they're most likely, based upon the tracker record, going to continue that behavior. Now, the only thing that is going to change that perception is that they begin to change and they begin to shift and they begin to develop a different track record. And that happens over a period of time. And so what that means is that you don't trust the person who's not trustworthy. This is how banks and systems operate, right? They look at your credit history and over a period of time, let's say seven years, you have done this, 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 and this. And it shows them that you are most likely to do this in the future. Therefore, you're a bad investment and that I'm not going to place clout and credibility with you. And we think that we're not supposed to operate like that inside faith. And we are. That is, I can forgive you. You know, if I rebuke you and I come to you and I explain how, um, what you did to hurt me and you own it and you say, you know what, I'm going to begin to shift my behavior and I'm going to begin, begin to change, then I'm going to let that go. I'm, I'm going to begin to release that so the pain doesn't consume me, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to trust you because trust is earned. All right, brother. So I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a lot about this. You know, I want you to look inside your life and say, you know what? Am I taking my liberty and am I, am I using it in a way that would cause other people to compromise? And am I willing to step up to people that have offended me and that have hurt me? Am I willing to be assertive and to rebuke them? And this could be your wife, it could be your children, it could be close family members, it could be church members, it could be multiple different things that, that you are letting fester because you're unwilling to have some hard conversations. At the bottom line, it's this, I, you know, if we're unwilling to confront, um, we're afraid and we want peace at all costs. And I can guarantee you that it's going to become a lot of pain for you. So we must be willing to have those conversations. This is the only way that it's going to lead to uh, the whole holistic life and the positive relationships that you, you are pursuing. These conversations must be had. So I want you to look at your life. It could be a conversation that you need to have with your wife. It could be a conversation with your children, a conversation with close friends. And it's a conversation that you know that you need to have. You've been putting it off. You've been resisting it. You've been hiding. You've been stuffing. You've been feeding the anger. And, uh, and it's getting to you. And you know what it is. Now's the time to have that conversation. All right, brothers. I'll see you later. Peace.